0: Lord has dealt with my heart over the last few weeks concerning this message for this hour. This morning with the help of the Lord I want to talk about comparing storms. Comparing storms. Matthew chapter 8 beginning at verse 23. When he was entered into a ship his disciples followed him Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You'll turn over to Matthew chapter 14 beginning at verse 22. There's not just one storm, there's two storms that happen in this gospel beginning at verse 22. It says, the straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitude away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the even was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I'm going to ask you to leave your Bibles open, stretch your hand this direction, pray God's special blessing and anointing upon your pastor this morning to be able to minister of the Word of God. Pray with me, would you, Father? I bless you today. I thank you for the privilege to be in your house, to lift up your name. I thank you for strength that comes from the Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch my mind and my heart, that you would, Lord, communicate through this vessel the truth of the Word. Lord, encourage someone today. Remind them of your faithfulness, your consistency, your commitment to them. May they be strengthened with strength that only comes from heaven. Lord, I pray for your anointing upon my mind and upon my heart, upon my emotions. I pray for every heart to hear and receive the word of God today with gladness. I give you thanks and I give you praise for these blessings in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Comparing storms. This has been an unusually challenging year for people in our country, especially across the South. We have two specifically named storms that wreaked havoc in our country. That affected all of us all of us probably had family members that were somewhere in proximity or close by that we were concerned about those were two named storms Harvey and Irma this was a record year apparently for this kind of activity and it wreaked havoc in people's lives creating emotional and and spiritual and relational storms as a result Uh, All kinds of problems came from it. Some were even predicting that this was the end as a result of all of the natural disasters because it was so widespread and so intense. Both of the storms were massive, and both storms produced tornadoes that spun out of the storms. Yet, each one had some unique and different characteristics about them. While one was coming over the Gulf Coast waters, the other was coming from the Atlantic side, they absolutely ravaged the southern part of our country. Even if you didn't have family there, when you went to the gas pump, you felt the pain of those hurricanes' effects. As I began to process that, I, began, I was reminded that life in general can be very much like these mind-blowing storms that have recently devastated our great country. For someone here this morning, a sudden life storm could be their health when the doctor comes in and brings them concern about their future. For someone else, it could be a storm that has brewed concerning your finances. Your now security seems to be in question. A sudden job loss, a layoff, a a pink slip, a foreclosure notice maybe has come. Maybe unexpected medical bills have shown up in the mail that you weren't really anticipating. For some, a storm could be the sudden death of a lifelong partner that you've been with for 5, 10, 20, 50, 60 years, that marriage partner that has stuck with you and stood by your side for all of of that time. It could be an unusual storm that affects relationships. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with a sudden change in your life that you were not expecting, and so it has become a a storm. I believe that Scripture is very clear that storms that we face in our life is no respecter of persons. The Scripture is very clear that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Now, what we have read this morning is not one event, But two events of Jesus performing miracles on the storm-tossed sea. And for the next few moments, I just want to make some observations about each storm. And then at the end of my message today, I want to show you some important concluding differences between the two uh, storms. Let's start with the first storm, the storm of Matthew chapter 8. You can find this account also in Mark 4 and Luke 8. But a few observations I want to make this morning, and I want to move through them pretty pretty rapidly the first of which is that that when this storm Jesus led the disciples into the boat knowing that a storm awaiting was awaiting them I'm telling you today Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. He knows what's happening in my today and I guarantee you he knows what's coming down uh, the the path tomorrow. And I believe that the, the Lord was testing them and their trust in him. He is after all sovereign. He is omniscient. He knew that this storm was coming. And as I begin to think about that I begin to uh, to to process in my mind that it's very easy for us to say Jesus wherever you lead me I will follow I will be in your footsteps I will be one step behind you I will not lose sight of you on this journey wherever you take me I want to go in the other miracle in just a few moments we'll note we'll we'll notice that he sent them on ahead onto the onto the sea that night here he's leading them into the ship knowing that they were headed for a dark and stormy night. I will be the first to say Jesus is with me. I'm thankful for his presence. A lot of songs you hear have talk about the presence of Jesus. A lot of theme you hear in church on Sunday is about the presence of Jesus. And I love to talk about the presence of Jesus, but I'm telling you as much as I know that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. He is my helper. He he will go with me all the way to the end. But what I'm here to tell you is and he wants us to talk as much or more about him taking the lead with his presence among us. Him being in charge. You know Psalms chapter 5 and verse 8 lead me O Lord in your righteousness. How about Psalms 25 and 5 lead me in your truth and teach me. How about Psalms 31 and 3 for your name's sake lead me and guide me but I'm telling you today you that are here this morning and you're in the storm of your life I'm telling you that are washed in the blood of the lamb you can still say the one who leads me beside still waters is the one who leads me out on the storm tossed sea and I know I will be fine I know that where he leads me I will follow and I know when it's all said and done everything is going to turn out our right because i made up my mind that i'm going to follow and he's going to lead amen. amen a second observation that i want to make this morning is that in this first miracle jesus is sleeping in the boat he led the disciples out first of all and then he's sleeping in the boat now what does that tell me when i read the very reality that jesus is asleep I mean, I don't know. Verse 24 of that passage says that the boat was covered with waves. So I don't know if he was getting wet in the lower part of the boat or not, but he was for sure asleep. And I'm gonna tell you, as I read that, something began to leap within my spirit to remind me that if Jesus can sleep in a storm, it must mean that everything's gonna come together as it is supposed to come together if I'm on that boat with Jesus. But it also tells me something that I think we all need to be reminded of, and that is that we have an advantage over the disciples. The disciples oh I'm sure there's some here that have said I've even said wouldn't it be great to be in the personal presence of Jesus to watch him perform miracles to watch him open blinded eyes and unstop the deaf ears. Oh I'd have loved to have been there with Peter, James and John to see Jesus transfigured. But let me tell you something we have an advantage over the disciples this morning that maybe you've never considered. You say I can't imagine what advantage we would have over the disciples. I'm telling you with the disciples Jesus in his humanity had to take a nap but I'm telling you in his divinity he watches over each and every one of us and he never takes a nap I'm telling you the scripture says the Lord is in his holy temple his eyes behold his eyelids try the children of men whereas he may have napped on the disciples he never naps on his children of God today so I'm telling you no matter what storm you find yourself in there's no need in both of you staying up tonight when it's time to go to bed you lay down, you take your rest and your comfort, Jesus has it all under control a third observation I would make in this first miracle is that the disciples fear changed their fear changed in Mark's account of this story, the scripture says Jesus noted the fear of the disciples because of the storm now I cannot fault them I've been in some bad water experiences, and it scared me. It brought fear. There's been more than one occasion where I thought I was meeting my mortality because of a bad water experience. But in in this scripture, the, the, the Bible tells us in Matthew that the waves are covering the boat. And Mark's account says that the ship is now full. I would have been afraid. But the Bible says as soon as he rebuked the wind and said, peace be still to the waves, he asked them, why are you so fearful? And then the Bible says, and they feared exceedingly. As I looked at that, I thought, well, were they a little afraid before? But when they see him calm the seas, they began to be more fearful. Were they really afraid of Jesus Let me me tell you what I submit this morning. I don't believe it was a greater fear. I believe it was a different fear. I believe they went from a man-made fear of a storm to a godly fear for the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you from a man-made fear of a creative act of God to a godly reverential fear for the one who had created the storm. Maybe we just need to get to the place that we're not consumed by the storms that come our way but have... Confidence that Jesus has it all under control, and at the same time, God help us to have a godly fear and a growing reverence for who He is. The creator of the storm is also the one that says, Peace be still, and turns things around for your good and for His glory. Now, let me quickly get to the storm of Matthew 14. There's two storms. I guess just a few weeks had gone by. We're not really sure how long it's been since the first storm. You would think that they would not endure any more storms. You know, one and done. But how many of you know today that sometimes it isn't weeks that separate the two storms that come into our lives? Sometimes it can be days. Sometimes it can be hours between the storms. You can wake up one morning thinking it's an everyday, ordinary day, and by the end of the day, you've been through two or three major events in your life that have turned your world upside down. Let me make some observations from this storm. In this storm, the first thing I would want to say is that Peter made the move. Jesus is not with him, but he comes walking to him on top of the water. And the scripture says that Jesus said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come. And so Peter come down out of the ship. Peter walked on water. Peter walked on the water to Jesus. He was willing to get out of the boat, and I'm telling you, his intentions were to walk to Jesus. I would really, really want to drive this point home right here. His intentions were not to escape the storm. His intentions were to get to the Lord. I believe I need to say that again. His intentions were not to get away from the storm and his responsibility of helping bail water out of the boat. Sister Debbie, his intentions were to get to the Lord. I'm telling you, if we would only get that in our spirit and in our heart, if we we would only embrace that, that when a storm comes our way, could it be that by the sovereign providence of God, that He's just looking for you to stop what you're doing and run to the Lord? For He's the one that's got it all under control. Oh, there's always critics. There's always armchair quarterbacks that would say Peter had little faith. But the truth is, as Peter left the boat, he had more faith than the rest combined. For as they feared for their lives, he simply was determined to get to the Lord. His problem was not his lack of faith. His problem was he became self-sufficient after he started walking on the water. He thought more high he thought more highly of himself than he ought, and he took his eyes off the Lord. I'm telling you, you can have confidence in your faith. And if you always remain dependent upon Jesus, you can walk the waters of adversity and always overcome. Second thing I would tell you is that Peter not only made the move, but he called upon the Lord. And I would say to you today that if you have started this journey looking at Jesus, then you've got to make up your mind that you're going to keep your eyes upon Jesus at all times. You trusted him to save you. You must trust him to keep you. He he who began the good work in you will complete the good work inside of you. Peter started to sink. And some of us righteous critics would probably put him down for it. But I want you to notice this. That when he needed help, even though he became self-sufficient, when he needed help, when he started to sink, he did not call for James or John to throw him a rope or throw him a life preserver. He cried out, Lord, save me. I'm telling you, the same God that saved me from my sins is still saving me in every circumstance in every situation in every storm he will never leave me he will never forsake me he's my helper the third observation I would make from that second storm and this is what I really really want to drive home is that Peter walked the storm with the Lord. We don't talk about that part of it. We talk about him getting out of the boat. We talk about him taking his eyes off Jesus. But we do not talk about this part of the miracle near as much as we should. We need our faith to grow up. What I know is that there are hurting folks in this room this morning. There are people under the sound of my voice that are facing storms like you've never faced before. You don't like the change. You don't like the pain. There's, it, it, life has become stormy for you. But the scripture says after Peter reached out his hand and Jesus took his hand. Together... They walked the stormy waters back to the boat. Jesus did not calm the stormy waters till later. In verse 32 it says, And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. What's your your point here? Here's the point. Jesus has the power to say... Peace, be still. As a response to your faith. But Jesus also has the power to say, take my hand. We're going to walk these stormy waves together. He doesn't always say, peace, be still. Now, I know that this would burst the bubbles of some of these so-called faith preachers. All they want to do is say name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, and if you don't get it, you lack faith. I'm going to give you a secret to making me angry. I don't get angry a whole lot, but I'm going to tell you a secret to get making me angry. Just don't ever use it. But after having come through in the early part of our marriage four miscarriages... You let me stand in the presence of someone that looks at a young couple that has just come through a miscarriage and say to them, because you didn't have enough faith, that child perish. You want to get me riled up? You want to get me bowled over? I tell you, I look back to this day and I'm thankful for the miracle son that I have. And I'm thankful for the four that God needed over in glory more than they needed over in this earth. You say, well, I don't know how far along were they? When did they become a soul? I'm telling you, before they were formed in their mother's womb, they were a soul created in the image of God. I may have one here, but I got five total. And I wish I could understand... Brother Turpin, I wish I could understand why God just didn't say, peace, be still. But one thing he did say, no matter what happens on earth, no matter what happens in your wife's health, no matter what happens in your family, one thing I can promise, I may not always say, peace, be still, but one thing's for sure, every time you reach up your hand, my hand is going to be there to grab onto, and we can walk every stormy wave together. Lord, help me today. You have to hold to God's unchanging hand. You see, a couple of concluding observations that I want to make to you, and I really want to make sure you get this if you don't get anything else. Jesus is most powerful and personal to you when he helps you to walk through the storm holding his hand. No one held his hand when he said, Peace be still. There was no personal contact. But when Jesus didn't calm the storm, Peter put his hand in the hand of the Lord. <laughs> and they walked the storm together. Oh, how many times I wish he would just fix my problems. Anybody here feel the same way? Am I the only one? I just, Lord, I just wish you would just fix it. That's what he did in the first storm. He fixed it. Did he not? He fixed it. Have I been here long enough to get a little personal here? Because even a a church family can go through storms. And I'm standing here with the honor of leading a church that has gone through some major, major storms. I watched from afar as our church family, the Pulaski Church of God, went through major changes. I watch from afar as folks you traveled with many years no longer travel with you. And if that wasn't challenging enough to awaken on the morning of January 11th to the tragedy that the church home you loved, the church home that had weddings and baptisms and baby dedications and salvations and Holy Ghost baptisms and calls to the ministry and choir musicals and dramas that that sacred place called church. That building that we highly revered was gone. And even this week, even this week, I thought, God, you could have stopped it. And for our church family, it is a a major storm. One thing I've grown to appreciate, Papa Bill, you and I were talking about this the other day. This church has seen storms come. have seen storms that have, you you felt like you were holding on to a, a piece of board on the ship just to stay afloat. But praise God, one thing you knew, even as a church body, he may not say, peace be still, but as long as we'll keep our hands raised up, his hand is always extended down. Oh, praise the Lord. And when it's all said and done, I'll say it like I said it a few weeks ago, though the waves may seem like they're about to be over our head, they will always be under his feet. And I'm telling you, I've come by to preach to someone today. When it's all said and done, God's going to get the greatest glory. And you're going to be amazed at the things that take place. One more thing I have to share. This just really jumped off the pages at me when I was comparing, contrasting these two storms. In the first storm, when he arose from his slumber and said, Peace be still, this is what they said. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? But in the second storm, when Jesus and Peter arrived from walking the stormy waves, as soon as they entered the boat, two things happened. Number one, the wind ceased, but more importantly... The disciples fell down and worshiped him, saying, You are the Son of God. What are you telling us, preacher? I'm telling you, when God does not say, Peace, be still. It is for your benefit. If you are determined to hold on to his unchanging hand, you realize that when you walk through a storm together, you will appreciate him as God, your Father, Jesus, your Savior. You will acknowledge his deity. He is not Santa Claus. He is God Jehovah. He's not just a miracle worker. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our Master. I want to know Him. And sometimes the greatest way to know Him is to take hold of His hand and say whether you calm it or not, we're going to walk these waves together. They questioned in the first storm. Bewildered. What manner of man is this? But they emphatically proclaimed in the second storm, you are the son of God. They they marveled in the first storm. But they worshipped in the second storm. She's laying in a hospital in Chesapeake General today, 78 years old. The woman that brought me into this world, that went to the throes of death. I was 10 and a half pounds, 23 inches long. I tell people I've only grown four feet since I was born. (laughs) They didn't have all the stuff that they have today. She went to the throes of death to bring me into this world. And I've watched her go through thyroid cancer and I've watched her go through ovarian cancer. I watched her go, her life go down to the to the very gates of death because of the chemotherapy and the effects. I've watched her lay her 29-year-old daughter to rest. And I sat there and I admired her. And I, I think today, you know I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, Mom, you gotta go, you gotta get checked out. You gotta get checked out. And, and so today she's laying in a hospital. And you know what she says? She says to me, I'm gonna get checked out, but don't you worry about me. You got church time tomorrow you got ministry tomorrow don't you have, the reason i don't tell you everything is cause i don't want you to worry i'm telling you i'm talking about a giant in faith she's not really that big she's a thin lady but i'm telling you in the corridors of glory her faith makes her a giant and it's because there were many times god didn't say peace be still but every single time she reached up and the hand of the lord was there to walk every storm together someone's faith is growing up this morning someone's faith is getting understanding this morning you're here and you're in a storm why not you close your eyes I want you to listen to the words of this song. If you feel so inclined to come and ask the Lord to speak peace over your storm then I want you to come. But I also want you to understand that your faith is not fragmented if he says, you know what? I may not say peace be still today. But I do want you to reach up your hand. Take hold of mine. and Let's walk the waves together. One day, the waves will be completely calm. The wind will stop and it will be for all of eternity. So Lord, I'm asking you today to say peace be still to my storm. But I realize that as I'm coming, as I'm praying that prayer, you may say, not now, just take my hand. He may not always say, peace be still, but he will always say, take my hand.